Okay. Um, hey, I'm Lisa Jaster. I'm a Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve. I was active duty from 2000 to 2007 when I was commissioned from West Point as an engineer officer. I got out of the military, started my civilian career, missed the tribe, uh, joined the reserve in 2012, and I have um, two kiddos. I am airborne qualified, air assault qualified, and been to Iraq twice, Afghanistan once, two years in South Korea, and I happened to have attended Army Ranger School when it first opened up to women in 2015. When you when you um, commissioned through West Point, were you still active duty going to school, or how did that work? So while you're at West Point, um, the cadets get, I think at the time, it was like half of a specialist's pay while you were there. And because of things that had happened during earlier world wars, technically we're considered on active duty. So I had an active duty ID card, but I was still a cadet. So active duty, yes, fell under UCMJ, but they also had some cadet rules. We got article 10s instead of article 15 so that they didn't, um, they didn't carry along with us to our real big kid jobs because in college, we all know we like to um, grow, shall we say. We like to expand our horizons in college. Yes, exactly. Unfortunately, I was in college while on active duty, so I didn't get to really experience the college life. Yes. Um, so have you always wanted to be an engineer? Has that always been a thing that you're like, this is what I want to do? Kind of a funny question. So I didn't um, make myself an engineer. Like when I declared my major, I didn't start in engineering. I always thought I was going to be a doctor or... I actually first declared physics and my team leader at the time, my cadet team leader said, I'm a physics major. I have no idea what I'm going to do if I ever get out of the army. What do you do with a bachelor's in physics? So um, I started looking around at the different degrees. I'm like, oh, environmental engineering. And then I realized that I would have done a lot with sewage. So not super, super excited about army environmental engineering and sewage, even though I've dealt with sewage in a lot of different countries now. So civil engineering seemed really cool, specifically because you get to go to an area where there's nothing or there's something that's complete rubbish and clean the slate, build something. And 22 years later, literally, I deployed back in 2002, 2003, and some of the structures and facilities I built back then still exist. And, and that's pretty amazing. Dang it. So you were an engineer. Uh, when you were enlisted and as an officer? So I was never enlisted, but as, as a cadet, oh. um, I went to undergrad and got my undergrad in civil engineering. And then the army actually paid me to get my master's degree from what at the time was the University of Missouri Rolla is now Missouri University of Science and Technology. And I got a master's in civil engineering. So I am truly an engineered. Engineered. I'm proud like of it, damn it. Hey, you know, it is what it is. I'm just a nerd with nothing declared. Just, <laughs> I'd say uh, you're doing pretty good to me. Oh, well, well, that's a whole nother story for a different thing. Um, so I just have to go right into this whole thing about what I love about you. So I was a recruiter when things were opening up to... Um, females and I remember having this 
I think I shared with you when we were on the phone one day, I, I had this one girl, just skinny bone girl who was like, I want to be infantry and I can't wait until they open it up. And she looked at me and said, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, I don't have that same desire. <laughs> she goes, oh, I can't do that. I said, well, right now you can't, but when it's open to women, do you? And so I, I got, and I'm, like I said, I'm five foot, nothing. She's about my height, had an infantry guy, six foot three guy. He looked like a broad shouldered Shrek. And right. um, he was six, three, I think. And I just asked her, I said, do you think that if you're in a Humvee, the vehicle's upside down because you hit an ID or flipped over for whatever reason, you have all of your gear on. He has his gear on. He can't move. Can you pull him, somebody that size, out of the Humvee? Mm -hmm. And she kind of looked at him and said, yeah, I guess. I said, well, if you can do it, then go. And you want to do it, go for it. Do your thing. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I want to jump right on that right away because, you know, that's one of the biggest resistors we've had to gender integration in the military. And so the question I throw back at people when they use an example similar to that, my husband's six foot nine, 260 pounds. Let's be truly honest. A vehicle's flipped upside down and somebody is in there in kit. Even if it's me, my strong as heck husband is going to have problems pulling that person out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just, it's one of those scenarios where if a tank's on fire, the chances of you actually pulling a dude out with all of his equipment is, is pretty slim to none anyways. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about that exact strength to weight ratio. The issue that you very specifically talked about, Tiffany, wasn't, had nothing to do with her gender. Right. And, and that's where the delete the adjective comes out. Because what if you have a 120 pound male who's slight of build? Mm -hmm. Nobody asks him that question. So instead of limiting personnel, personnel based on gender, let's, let's talk about being merit-based. Hey, if, if that's a requirement, then our physical fitness test, when you're joining a um, armored infantry, a heavy infantry unit or a cab unit needs to be, hey, can you buddy drag a 260 pound dude with gear on? And if you can't, you can't be in this unit. But if you watch the CrossFit games, which is a, one of my favorite examples, you tell me those women aren't stronger than the average soldier. And I love my soldiers, male, female, white, black, gay, straight. I don't care what you are if you can do your job. But I would go to the CrossFit games or last weekend I competed in the tactical games. I would grab any of those guys or gals and put them up against my soldiers because we cannot have the standards be, hey, this is a limiting factor based on gender. Like what you actually described is a strength, strength to weight, but or strength, a strength issue, not a gender issue. Right. Because I was going to ask, did I ask the wrong question? Because I, I, I was trying to avoid the gender thing because, and even said, that's not my thing. That's not me. I didn't say, right. well, I don't think you should do it because we're the same gender. It, it really was a, can you do this? And if you can go for it. Right. Right. Well, and so, so here's some of the other things. And, and did you ask the wrong question? No, because all of us need to think about it. And it's, it's something that's really hard for people who have never served, but there are scenarios where if you can't do certain tasks, people die, period. Mm -hmm. And if somebody was else was there, could they have saved that life? Now, you know, there are times when being petite is an advantage or being female is an advantage or being, 
you know, fill in the blank, fill in the adjective. There are times when all of those things are an advantage and we just need to look. Um, there's an Einstein quote, something about asking a fish to climb a tree. He'll always believe he's stupid if that's the metric you're judging him by. Well, it's true. Like, And our, our armed forces need everything. And our infantry needs a wide variety. Just like people use the example of a football team. You don't see women playing football. Okay, well, let's be honest. Specialist Humphrey, who was in my first platoon, you're not going to see him in the NFL either. So let's stop using that example. But the question needs to be, hey, can you do what you need to do to accomplish the mission? And if you can't, then you shouldn't have that job. So it's the right question. I just want to make sure that people are framing it as it's not a gender issue. It's a strength issue. And if you're a buck 20 soaking wet, some of these things are going to be hard for you. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do it and you want to train hard and you want to get there, look at the girls in the CrossFit games. Look at some of those guys, some of the petite guys. There's a guy by the name of Chris Spieler, who was one of the very, very first, very popular CrossFit elite. And he is, sorry, Chris, but he's a small guy. And, and he was doing amazing because he has capabilities and he's worked his butt off to get there. Mm-hmm. I will get off my soapbox now, Tiffany. Sorry. <laughs> soapbox has ended. No, I'm kidding. I love soapbox. Break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One, two, three, break. Um, so, yeah. And that's why I asked for that question that way to, for that very point, because I didn't want to sound like I was jaded either way of women can do it too, or you can't do it because you're a woman. I just, you know, I love to challenge people to think about what and that's what my, the purpose of my question was I, you say you want to do this why are you wanting to do infantry because you want to be the first female to do it or are right. you wanting to do it because it's something that you think you would enjoy doing and be good at and those right. are two different those can be two completely different answers to that those questions so yeah now the part where I said this is why I want to talk to you instead of the two other females that started ranger school when you did and not and it wasn't oh you in lieu of them the reason why i wanted to talk to you because the the name of the podcast is medal of honor having that medal and that grit to push forward anybody who goes through ranger school has to do that and anybody male or female when you get recycled that right there can be the point in which you say, okay, you know what? I'm good. I tried it. It didn't work. Let's do what's next. Anybody could have done that, right? Right. But you didn't. And you didn't, what was it? Three times? Like was you were recycled like three times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- first phase three times, second phase twice, last phase twice. I stayed there a really long time. I really enjoyed ranger school apparently. I guess well, you had a funny way of showing it, <laughs> but that's, but that's what, that's what I love about you is that you could have quit a bunch of times, but you mm-hmm. didn't quit. Why? Why did you not quit? You know, it, it was a really funny story. And at least in my mind, it's funny, haha. But, you know, you start off going to be one of these, the first. And so you have this, you know, G.I. Jane, Hollywood version of, I'm going to change the minds of all of America. Like my existence is going to change. And then you start realizing that there is somebody out there who, and I got it this morning, this very morning, I got somebody saying, Hey, the standards were changed for you. I know this for a fact because some guy who knows some guy who I've never met knew some other guy who told me the standards changed for you. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Let's, let's go ahead and unpack this. And, and so 
partway through ranger school, I realized, hey, I'm not changing the world. But what I did realize is that last time I got recycled at Darby, I called home and my husband, who is my best supporter, and sometimes I hate him because he's half the reason I end up doing all this stupid stuff, is um, he is my driving force. He is my, my key member of my tribe. But he's like, what's going to change? Like, why are you going to stay there any longer? Why aren't you going to come home? They're never going to let you pass because, you know, my husband is amazing and could not believe that it was anything on me. It was everybody else. They weren't letting me pass. And it so happened that earlier that day, one of the ranger instructors who was telling me that I wasn't moving on to the next phase said, hey, if we ever open this back up to women, you have to come back because you are exactly the human we need wearing the ranger tab. And, you know, he was one of those guys, just like everybody else, women don't belong here. And it's, it's not a sexist thing. It's just these people have never walked through my door before. And, and I'm not sure I'm ready to open the door. And, and I changed his mind and he's a leader in the United States army. Well, what if I stayed an extra three weeks and I changed one more mind? What if I stayed an extra six weeks and graduate and I changed 20 more minds and these young soldiers that are at my left and my right and these young NCOs who are our ranger instructors someday are going to be first sergeants and sergeant majors and we're going to have platoon leaders and company commanders and battalion commanders and so in 20 years when my when my daughter who's three at the time God willing, you know, graduates West Point and gets commissioned, she won't have to have the same discussions as I had because people like me and Chris and Shay, Shay Haver and Chris Christ, um, were willing to say, okay, you know what? I am going to suck it up and stay for an extra three weeks. So after I had that conversation with my husband and I had to verbalize that for the first time to somebody who loves me for me, mm -hmm. I never got quit in my mind again. Like quit was gone because every, t every minute I stayed there, someone else realized that I was their peer. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a female ranger student. I was a ranger student who was rocking and doing push-ups and not eating and not sleeping right next to them. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just an awesome example of leadership. You know, that to me, that's what leadership looks like, whether it's ranger school or just a weekend drill or excuse me, weekend battle assembly. Um, <laughs> But no matter what the situation is, you know, it, I think the best kind of leadership that there is, is you just showed me that you can do it and you're willing to do it too. And yeah. so that way, when you turn around and say, Hey, I need you to do this, then it's a lot easier to say, okay, I'm going to follow you because you showed me that you're willing to get dirty too. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, so at these different points, when you're recycling, what, how, how much of it did you, well, not how much of it, did your mind ever change of I'm doing this for other women or I'm doing this for other women, but I also want to do it for me because I want to wear that tab. Like how did you, were you going back and forth with those? Like, how did that look? Uh -oh. So I'm so, asking the wrong questions because you're like, <laughs> I've got to laugh at this one. Uh -oh. So literally that, um, so wrap week. So the ranger assessment phase is the first four days of ranger school. It's all individual tasks. I told myself if I didn't make it through ranger school, that's fine, but I could not fail on those individual tasks because you can Google right now, you know exactly what the tasks are. There's plenty of people who have blogged about it and talked about how much they ate and what time they did this and what time. So 
the first four days is a complete known. So I said, I can't fail a known. And the last event before you graduate from high school and get to go into the real ranger school is this 20K rock. And you've got a 35 pound pack on your back. You've got a dummy rifle. You've got, you know, two... Oh, a two quart canteen, two single quart canteens and a camelback. So by the time you add all your water, you're 45 plus the, the rifle, you're, you're at the 50 pound load bearing level. And that road march, for whatever reason, our feet had been wet all week. I'm an office junkie. Like I wore steel toes, but you know, my weapons was my keyboard. And I'm a, at this time, I'm a field grade officer and I only do the army part-time. So, you know, I'm, I'm conditioned and I'm in great physical fitness, but the skin on my pinky toes is thin. And so I'm doing this 12 mile road march and my toes start bleeding and they start bleeding through these beautiful, nice coyote color boots we have now. At least when we had black boots, we couldn't see when your feet were bleeding. Mm -hmm. And I'm finishing up the road march and I look at my watch and there's, I think three miles left to go and I have 30 minutes. And I mean, at this point in time, four days, not a lot of sleep, not a lot of food, you know, physically wasted. A 10 minute mile with full kit is a whole hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I start, I start rushing and my brain had started with, I'm changing the world. I'm one of the first females to ever put their foot right here. No woman's put their foot right here before. And, and I'm thinking about that and I'm like, oh my God, you know, there's TV cameras here, which was a huge negative, honestly, but there's TV cameras. People are going to see this. My daughter's going to see this. I got to look good. I got to do this. And then it kind of digressed from, I'm changing the world. Well, I'll change the army. Well, I'll change, I'll change support units. I'll change the way people look at some women. Um, I just want my kids to be proud of me. Okay. I shaved my head for this shit. And literally the last mile, I, I had averaged it out and I don't know the exact times, um, but I'd averaged it out so that I had about 10 minutes to finish that last mile and I'm sprinting and I am dying and I'm crying and my feet are bleeding and God only knows what else is going on in my system. I got belly bubbles like you wouldn't believe. And I am just chanting my head in my head. Like I cannot go home with a shaved head and nothing but a story. Like I shaved my head for the shit. And I just kept chanting that over and over and over until I crossed the finish line and pretty much died. I think I had like 15 seconds left, but yeah, it was one of those like, yes, I thought I was going to change the world. And by the time I hit the finish line, I just didn't want to go home with a shaved head and nothing but a story to show for it. You know, I was going to name this episode, um, delete the average uh, adjective, but I might want to mm -hmm. say I, I shaved my head for this shit. Yep. Like <laughs> I did. It no. killed me because all, all the pretty boy guys, because I had some special forces guys in my, my class, they would all carry around their driver's license. They're like, look how nice my hair was. I'm like, really, dude? Seriously? They make two <laughs> wigs out of what I shaved. Man. So how about this then? You know, you 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 set up you set yourself up to change the world. Um at the end of the day, when you finally graduated. How much did Ranger School change you? I have a whole new respect for generational differences. Mm -hmm. So probably the best thing that ever happened to me is twofold. One, I was the token female. Now, I've always been female in a male-dominated society, whether it was construction, working in the oil and gas industry, an engineer, in the Army, 
commissioned as an engineer officer, like those are all very, very male dominant societies, Mm -hmm. but they still all taper themselves. There's, there's a little bit of screening around women when you haven't slept or eaten and you've got 20 somethings that you're literally sleeping in foxholes next to there's no self-guardedness. Like there's no keeping who you really are at bay. So one of the great things I learned was that dudes love their families just as much as women do. They're just not allowed to show it. And I actually feel bad for them sometimes because, you know, it's hard to be a badass ranger and not be able to say, I miss my wife. Or I had one guy show me his, his ultrasound. Like he was carrying around a picture of an ultrasound. He was missing his wife's pregnancy for this. And it was killing him, Mm -hmm. killing him, but he couldn't say anything to anyone else. But having a female there, he's like, hey, can I tell you something? And he shows me the picture and I'm like, I don't want to see your wife's uterus. And then I realized he needed me to look at his wife's Mm -hmm. uterus because he needed to share it. And then the other thing is those guys were 22, 23 years old. There was a couple of older people with us, but, you know, we all, we all pick on other generations. You know, World War II was the greatest generation. Mm -hmm. This generation is, you know, eats Tide Pods. And we, we oscillate between, it's not friendly ribbing. We actually think less of other generations and the younger generation is great. They just go about life differently. So being sensitive and vulnerable Mm -hmm. for our 20 year olds is okay. And as a leader, I would have never seen that. I just came out of battalion command. Being able to connect with a 20 something is super important because those are the bread and butter of our military units. Mm -hmm. But had I not realized that the younger generations are allowed vulnerability, they're allowed to be more emotional, they're allowed to question, I would have never been able to be effective as a battalion commander. So ranger school changed me a ton in the fact that it exposed me to dudes are emotional creatures. They just deal with them differently. And generational gaps are, are really just a lack of understanding, a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you say that. So Ranger School changed you uh, for that empathy part. There was another officer. Hold on. That- I just have to, I have to quote you here. You just said Ranger School made me more empathetic. That's funny. Oh, okay. So it's not true. No, no, no. It's very true. Okay. But I was going to say, I must have missed it. <laughs> no, no, but you know, just it is to, kind of, yeah, it's it is kind of ironic, funny. right? Yeah. Well, see, that's what, it, yeah. Okay. I was like, wait, what did I say? Did I just goof up? But yeah, you're no, like, who goes to ranger school to be more empathetic? Really? <laughs> would have known. Yeah. So there's, there's another army officer that I interviewed when she was a company commander. Um, she had at that point she had not had kids and similarly she did not um she was in a more male dominated uh unit and so the cup when a couple females at different times had come to her and said yeah i'm pregnant gotta do this gotta do that she was like i don't care suck it up yeah because she didn't she was not empathetic toward that or sympathetic towards that because she didn't have kids herself Right. Then when she was at the battalion level and she had kids, she was like, crap. Yeah. How yeah. in the world, why did I treat those girls like that? Right. And it's because right. she didn't know what she didn't know. Yeah. Yep. Actually, um, Cheryl Sandberg, I'm not sure if you're familiar, former COO of Facebook. 
Um, she started Lean In. It's a nonprofit organization, but she wrote this amazing book called Lean In. And she specifically said, hey, she had sacrificed a ton for her career, had kids later. And all of a sudden, here she is, COO of obviously this huge corporation. Mm -hmm. And she realized they had no pregnancy parking. And she's like, why, why don't we have, you know, how many women do we really have pregnant at any one time? Why don't, why don't we give them a couple of spots? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just one of those things that even, even the greats sometimes need someone to nudge them and, and teach them empathy. Mm -hmm. There was, so you mentioned, you mentioned that a lot of these guys were these young, young guys, or what do we call them? Young bucks, whatever, <laughs> yeah. who, you know, they were just in their twenties top physical condition it reminded me of when i was in germany there was a guy who went what i forgot what it was called when you go and do that preliminary ranger before you actually go to the school rtac the ranger training and assessment course yeah. yes so this guy you look at this dude and you know he's got it like he's right. not coming back for a while he came back like a week later really yeah and i was like dude what happened like you live between the barracks and the gym, like, and he's got, he, he looked cut. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, why? Yes, exactly. He, he, he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And as soon as he, the way he was saying, I don't know. And talking about it, I was like, that's it right there. That yeah. and he's like, what? I said, so you're in physical shape, but how are you mentally? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not stupid. I didn't say you were, no, no. but you didn't have that that grit needed so you got, you did the best that you could physically but not mentally yes and and that was it yes. you think and, and, oh, go ahead. and that's exactly where for me actually having kids and having um a supportive spouse and having a tribe like the fact that star major robbie Payne and my husband were the ones who talked me into this like i knew i had all the support both from my military unit from home from my work um, my full-time job at Shell, my kids, you know, they didn't want me to go, but they're like, mom, we know you need to do this or, or you're going to, we're going to have unhappy mom and we don't like unhappy mom, but I had the tribe and I had the support. And at 37, I turned 38, a couple weeks after graduation, like a week and a half after graduation. And, um, you know, at that age, as much as people think it was probably a negative and it was in the fact that I didn't recover as fast as the 20 somethings, but Every time we climbed a mountain, I'm like, this is beautiful. I want to bring my kids up here. And they're like, what is wrong with you, woman? Like, this sucks. <laughs> like, no, but did you see that sunset? And I'm like, seriously, what's wrong with you? But I had 37 years of experience going, mm -hmm. you know, I've been through worse. I've been to Afghanistan. I've been to Iraq. I've been to a lot worse places than this. This guy who's yelling in my face, he doesn't hate me. He's doing a job. He's, he's trying to stress me out. All I have to do is choose to manage my emotions and not let him drive my behaviors. And I had all that already in me, which is, you know, the resiliency or the mental toughness. And, and it actually, as a parent, it's a hard thing for me because I spoil my kids. Of course, what parent doesn't want to, and I spoil my kids and I'm like, I got to make them more resilient. How, I guess I got to start being mean to them or something. Like how do I make my kids more resilient? Go from having mom spoil me to I have to earn this. What are you, what are you talking about? You need to meet my mom. My mom's a badass because she's a ranger, but you need to meet her because she knows how to be a badass and spoil me at the same time. 
There you go. There, well, my kids wrestle, so that's how they get their results. Okay. There's nothing worse than having a full-grown person laying on top of you trying to press you to, in, through the floor. <laughs> that works. And, and see, I was going to ask how old you were when you went through ranger training. So, I mean, a 37-year-old versus a 22-year-old. I, I, I remember in basic training, I had just turned 20 in basic training, and there was a 30-year-old that was going through boot camp and we called him grandpa yep i mean yep. you only had a decade over us but like when you're 20 dude you're old oh yeah i had to have a whole second page to my physical because i was considered of mature age like over 35 in the army like if you want to go to any school you have you have an entire second list of inspectable items shall we say mm -hmm.